Well, parents, I've got some good news for you. Your children will grow up like you. They've got your genes, your family norms, your habits, and your teaching and guidance. Now here's the bad news. Your children will grow up like you. They've got your genes, your family norms, your teaching, and your guidance. How do I know this? I've got four. <laughs> and when the oldest one was ten and the youngest one was three, their daddy died. So you could say that after that point you didn't have much influence. But actually, if you got to know my children, you'd know a lot about their daddy. <laughs> the oldest one, he's called Joe. He's a thinker. Do you know what I mean? He likes to get behind the books and have a good think through stuff. And my husband was like that. The next one's a girl. She's called Nim. She likes to paint. She's really creative and artistic. And so I've got pictures on my wall that she's painted. And guess what her dad's hobby was? Painting. <laughs> the next one, he's called Nat. He looks exactly like him. If you want to know what my husband looked like, if you never met him, you look at that son and he's his double. Absolute double. Even his teeth grow in the same pattern. Crooked. <laughs> And he's a bit of a, well, if he was a girl, I'd call him a dolly daydream. You know, my husband could have World War III going on at his feet, and he'd have his head in a book, and I'd be in the kitchen two rooms away, and I could hear World War III, and I'd be thinking, why isn't he doing something? And it's because he lived in his own world in this little, oh, you know. And son number three is like that. And the baby, he's called Tom. He's like his dad because he likes to chew things over. So he's the sort of kid that if you're doing a job, he'll follow you, you know? Go to the kitchen, he's there. Go over here, he's there because he wants to talk, 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 talk. And he's also got this sort of entrepreneurial spirit, which is very strong in my husband's family. So you'd never believe that these kids who didn't have their dad for very long have grown up like him. It's interesting, isn't it? So beware, parents. <laughs> and there's very good things about that, of course. It is good news as well. They'll have all your bad habits as well as your good. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that says this. Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He's the firstborn son. So in other words, that's just what I was telling you about my kids and hit their dad. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Jesus was God squeezed into a human body. So what do we learn? We've had this story given to us on a little film today and read to us now from the Bible. So what do we learn about God from looking at that little bit of Jesus' life? Only two things. I promise you I'm not going to be long. And if I am, Pads will jump up and down and say, shut up, woman. Excuse me. 
Well, the first thing I'd like to say is the order of which Jesus deals with these things, with this paralyzed man. He deals first with what's going on inside the man. He knows that this man is worse off inside than outside. His mates, presumably, who'd taken him on the stretcher to meet Jesus, just saw a paralyzed man who needed to be made better. And they'd heard that this Jesus was a healer. But Jesus apparently, at the beginning of the story, ignores that. And he perceives what's inside this man. We don't know. We're not told. But who knows? He could have been chock full of resentment. He could have been chock full of anger and fear and anxiety. He could have, I don't know, shouted at his mother, his his friends, fed up with being on this mattress all day long, paralyzed. Who knows what was going on inside him? But Jesus knew. Jesus saw straight through to the inner man and knew not what needed to be dealt with. Now, if I was one of the friends who'd carried him on the stretcher and actually pulled apart the roof to get him to Jesus, at the point at which Jesus turned around and said, son, your sins are forgiven you, I would have been mad. I'd be saying, come on, I brought him here to be healed. What's all this stuff about sin? I want him to get better. I want him to be get... I've seen other people. I've seen you heal other people, Jesus. What are you doing? But actually, Jesus knows that it's far more important what's going on in the inside of us than what's going on outside. And he wants to deal with our inner self. He wants to deal with all the muck that we carry around with us. He wants to address our wrongdoings. He wants to give us peace. He wants us to walk through life knowing that we have peace with God. That's his first purpose. Then, Jesus perceived, just like he perceived what was going on inside the man, he perceived what was going on inside his critics. Inside the critics, who were now thinking, what what right has this man got? to forgive sins. Isn't this blasphemy? And they're pretty mad, the critics, at this stage. And so Jesus challenges them and says, which is easier, to forgive sins or to tell this man to get up and walk? And in order to prove who he is before them, without actually saying, I'm the son of God, he proves it by saying to the man, get up and walk. And he does, as we saw in the little film. He gets up and he walks. And so Jesus, with one fell swoop, deals with his critics and the man's condition. I think that's pretty amazing. Who wouldn't want to know a God like that? Frankly, I'm bonkers if I don't want to know a God like that. This is a God who can deal with my inner self and my outer self. This is a God who can deal with your inner self and your outer self. And he invites us to be part of it. What he did then is still active today. He invites us to come to him and say, do you know what? I'm a mess. My inner self is a mess. 
I'm really struggling here. I've done all sorts of things I'm ashamed of. There's things I worry about. There's things I'm terrified of. Jesus, will you come and sort me out? Sort out my inner life. And then he can start dealing with the practical things in your life as well. He loves to do it. And there's one verse of scripture I'd like you to put up. Oh, you've done it. Those whom God has chosen, he set apart to become like his son. He's telling us that we can be like Jesus. So that Jesus the son would be the eldest brother in a large family. The large family is you and me. Isn't that good news? We can be part of Jesus' large family with him as our older brother. That's what the cross is all about. He took the punishment for our mess and muck inside us, the stuff that's inside us. He took it to the cross and he took the punishment for that so that we could join the family. If you want to know more about how that works, I challenge you to come to Alpha on Tuesday night because the subject on Tuesday night is, why did Jesus die? Okay, thank you for listening.